A couple years ago, um, I wasn't feeling so well, and it kind of went on for several weeks. It just didn't get better. I didn't get better, and I was, I was feeling sick. I was having all these random symptoms, and so finally, I found myself at the doctor, and it, it turned out to be some pretty minor uh, gastrointestinal stuff that was kind of causing me all these different issues that they couldn't seem to find, but when I went to the doctor, the, the very first thing that he did when I went in is I kind of explained my symptoms. I explained what was going on, and he just started pushing on my stomach, and he was just pushing on my stomach in various spots all over, asking, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this hurt? How does this feel? Does this hurt? And finally, he got to a spot, and he was like, does this hurt? And I was like, yeah, that, that hurts. And he was like, well, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look more into some very specific things because when I press there, that should not hurt. Uh, there should not be pain when I press at this specific spot. There should not be pain. In fact, the, the pain probably reveals where the problem is. And I tell you that today because today is Legacy Sunday here at Harbor Church, which means that today we're going to be talking about what it looks like for us to leave a legacy which means that we are going to talk about what it means for us to give and to give generously. And if we're really honest, for some people, when we talk about giving, it's a spot that when it is pressed, it hurts. That when, when we start to talk about giving generously, when we start to talk about giving in church, that some people say, man, that, that hurts. And can I just challenge you today as you listen? Can I challenge you today as we talk about what it means to leave a legacy, that that. that Giving is intended to be a part of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. That a generous life is intended to be who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. That we actually believe that our generosity should be natural and consistent. That, that it should not just be random and spontaneous. That actually being generous is a part of following Jesus. That, that giving generously in every area of our lives is a part of following Jesus. And if we find it painful to talk about giving, if we find it painful to talk about being generous, perhaps that pain reveals a problem with the way we view giving. Perhaps that pain reveals a problem in how we view being generous. generous. See, we often view generosity as occasional and seasonal, something we do at certain times, at a certain time of the year, in a certain way, but we believe that it should be consistent and intentional, that, that we should uh, that we should consistently give intentionally. And so today is the day that we come together for once a year to, to give above and beyond our normal giving in order to accelerate what God wants to do in some various areas of the world. And we're, we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. But, but I want to remind you that, that we are only here today. We're only sitting in this room today because somebody gave. We're only here today because somebody gave, and not just because somebody gave to make sure that this church, Harbor Church, could be started. We're only sitting in this room today because the movement of Jesus Christ has always been defined by generosity. That, that many people have gone before us in giving. Many people have gone before us in generosity. See, if there's one thing that you'll find, if you trace back, every time there is a miracle, there is a miracle before that miracle. Like, the miracle never stands on its own. It's amazing that we are sitting here in this room today. It's a miracle that this church exists, but this miracle is the product of many miracles that led up to us being able to sit in this room, for us being able to gather in this room. And when we talk about the Christmas season, 
we usually talk about this extravagant miracle of the birth of Jesus Christ. We talk about an angelic visitation to a, 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 a woman who should not have been able to have a child, who should not have been able to give child, and yet somehow she has a child. But before that miracle, there was an angelic visitation and a woman who should not have been able to get pregnant, who got pregnant. See, the story of Christmas doesn't just begin with Mary being visited by an angel and being told that she's with child. The the story of Christmas is really enacted before this with another miracle of birth. See, if you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, we find this story. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all of God's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See, this moment is the miracle before the miracle. Before the miracle of Jesus's birth, there was the miracle of John the Baptist's birth, the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah. See, the miracle before the miracle always makes a way. It it always lays the path for the ultimate work that God wants to do. There's always a miracle that makes the way clear. There's always a miracle that makes the way known. See, this miracle in this moment is even more loaded than we realize when we read this story of the angelic visitation. See, I don't know if you caught it in the story, but it says that, that Zechariah and his wife, they, they followed all the commandments of the Lord. They followed all the regulations of the Lord. They loved the Lord, but it says, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. I like the way that sentence piles up. It gives us all of the reasons that this should not happen. It gives us all of the reasons that this should be impossible. Elizabeth is barren. We don't know exactly what her condition is, but we know that she is unable to have children. As if that weren't enough, they're also both well along in 
years. See, at this time, having no children would have been a problem for them for a number of reasons. Just socially speaking, it would have kind of set them as outcasts. In fact, some people would have believed that perhaps the fact that they couldn't have children was a judgment of God on some sort of sin in their life, that they would be looked upon as though there must be some underlying reason of why they can't have children in this moment, that God must be in some way judging them. But see, we know the hindsight of the story. We know that the Bible tells us they were upright. They followed all of the Lord's commands, that it was not a sin in their life that was keeping them from having a child. But in even a greater way, the fact that they could not have this child meant, quite honestly, that that their legacy would not live on. That when Zechariah and his wife passed away, that would be it for their line. That would be it for all that God had done through his life as a priest, for all that he had invested in. It would die with him. And so we understand that Zechariah's longing for a child was, was not just rooted in the fact that he wanted to be a father. It was rooted in the fact that he had lived his entire life under this kind of cloud of not being able to have a child. He had lived his entire life realizing, I'm getting along in age now. I'm, I'm getting older. My, my clock is up. And when I'm done, all of this work that I've done is over, that it's going to end with me. See, he understood that ultimately the the longing in his heart was to be able to leave a legacy. The longing in his heart was to have a son to carry on the legacy that he had. But see, there's even more significance in this moment because we've talked about this period of time from the book of Malachi until the New Testament where there's 400 years where it's not recorded that God speaks at all. There's 400 years of silence where God had been speaking through prophets, he had been speaking through judges, and now suddenly we have 400 years where there is no record of God speaking. And so in many ways, this moment is God breaking his silence with humanity. That in this moment, God is stepping into the lives of two individuals. He hasn't spoken in 400 years, and now he's coming in an angelic visitation to say, that thing that I spoke about 400 years ago, I'm going to make it come through you and your wife. I'm going to make it come through your family. See, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, God had said, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way. And so for 400 years, generations of people had believed for this messenger who would prepare the way for the Messiah. And now God has broken his silence through this angelic visitation and said, I'm giving you a son who will prepare the way for the Messiah. After 400 years of silence, can you imagine hearing the phrase that the angel utters to Zechariah? He says, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. I don't know if you've ever prayed and wondered if God is hearing your prayers, but I can imagine that this is not the first time Zechariah has prayed for a son. In fact, We don't even know if in this moment he was praying for a son. We don't know if perhaps over time he had given up on that dream, if he had given up on that idea of having a son. We just know that at some point he had prayed that he would have a son and that this angel is now visiting him and saying, your prayer has been heard. It's time to send the one who will prepare the way. It's time to send the one who will prepare the way for the Messiah. After all of this time of silence, after all this time, God shows up and says, the longing of your heart is coming to pass. But notice this, it's more than they could have ever imagined. They they imagined that they could have a son so that they could 
carry on their legacy. They imagined that they could have a son so that perhaps this, this stain of wondering why God wouldn't allow them to have a son could be erased. But now their son will be the one that has been foretold of for generations that will prepare the way for the Messiah. This is a, a lot more than just having a son. And in fact, have you ever heard the phrase, be careful what you wish for? Have you ever heard the phrase, be careful what you pray for? I wonder in this moment if Zechariah was like, hey, listen, I'm getting along in years. I just asked for a son. At this point in my life, just fathering a son would be enough for me to handle. But now you're telling me that at this phase in my life, not only am I going to father a son, but I have to steward the one that will prepare the way for the Messiah. This is a lot more than he bargained for in this moment. It's interesting the way God always has a way of taking the longings of our heart and making them more significant than we could ever imagine. That God can take the longings of our heart and add weight to them that we could have never seen. That, that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth, they think they're just longing for a son. They think they're just longing for a family. And, and God says, not only am I going to give you the longing of your heart, but in fulfilling the longing of your heart, the longings of an entire generation and nation of people will be fulfilled through that. And I would ask you today, if the longings of your heart were fulfilled, how would it affect humanity? If the longings of your heart were fulfilled, would it only change your world? Would it only change your standing? Would it only affect you? Would it only affect your family? Or do you have a vision for what God can do through the longings of your heart that reaches beyond anything you could ever imagine? Because I can tell you that, that when you have a heart after God, when you're following after God, that the Bible talks about him giving us the desires of our heart. Because when we have a heart that is after God, we can trust the desires of our heart. But do we believe that those desires can be used for far more than we could ever imagine? Do we believe that God can use our longings to affect a generation, to affect people far outside of our scope of influence? See, I think it's interesting the language that we use when we talk about a legacy. Because we're talking about a legacy, but so often the language that we use to describe a legacy in many ways is rooted in the past. We talk about a legacy that we will leave behind. We talk about our legacy being the place that we come from, but a legacy is not meant to be something in the past. This is why children are a beautiful symbol of legacy because the idea of legacy is not intended to be something that points to the past, but that carries something into the future. That a legacy is not just supposed to show us where we've been or what we've done, but how where we've been and what we've done can be carried into the future. How where we've been, how what we've experienced can be carried into a new generation. This is why giving and generosity is essential to our legacy. Because our generosity today prepares the way for what God wants to do tomorrow. Our generosity today prepares for what God wants to do in the future. See, if you desire to leave a legacy that truly prepares the way and points to the future, it will require a change of a few perspectives in your life. It will require that, that you view things differently than you have viewed them before. See, because this was a totally normal moment for Zechariah. God interrupted his totally normal life to do something extraordinary in him in that moment. And one of the first things you're going to have to do if you want to really live a life of legacy is you're going to have to realize that God can expand your season for productivity. 
that God can expand your season of productivity. See, in Luke chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says, Both of them were righteous in, God, in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. See, they were both beyond the age of which they should have been able to produce children. They were both beyond the age of which they should have been able to parent children. But to leave a legacy, you have to realize that God's seasons of productivity are not the same as ours. That often we view ourselves as done before God does. That often we view ourselves in a certain season of settling, of being finished with a certain season of our life, and suddenly God thrusts us right back into that same season. That suddenly in a season where we thought God could never do what we've always prayed for, that God could never do what we've always believed for, that 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 season has passed, that God can actually expand that season and say, no, that, that may be how you view that season, but I'm going to start a new thing with you right now, right where you are. I'm going to start a new thing with you when you thought you were finished. I'm going to start a new thing with you when you thought you were done. See, to leave a legacy, you have to realize that God's seasons of productivity are not the same as ours. That the longing of their heart was actually fulfilled out of season. Something that they had longed for their entire life was actually fulfilled out of season. They had believed that they would be parents. They had prayed that they would be parents, but it was fulfilled out of season. See, sometimes we think that because a certain season has passed, a certain thing can't happen. That because this season has already passed, because I've already retired, I've already stepped away from that, I've already graduated, I've already been married once, any number of things that would say, no, this season has passed, God can't do something new in my life. But what God shows us is that he can work something new in a season where we would never expect him to do it. That he can start over in a season where we would never expect him to do it. See, I think so often we think that there is this potential happiness tied to the longing of our heart. That if God would just fulfill this one thing, if God would just answer this one prayer, if God would just answer this one cry, I know that it would bring joy. I know that it would bring happiness. I know that it would bring fulfillment. And so often when the season passes that we believe it's going to happen in, the happiness goes with it. The, the, the joy goes with it. We think, well, this is, this is just the lot that we have at this point. This is, what, this is where we're at. God can't do anything new in my life. But Zechariah and Elizabeth are a reminder to us that God keeps his word, that God can and will do what he says he will do, that God can come through with what he said he will come through with, and that we cannot define it to a single season in our life. The second thing we have to do if we want to leave a legacy is we have to increase our trust. We have to increase our trust. Luke chapter 1 Verse 18 says this. It says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Now let's pause there for a second because just this is, this is outside of the scope of the message, but there's a, a very good uh, nugget for all the guys in the room here. Notice that Zechariah says, how could this be? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. He didn't say we're both old. 
He said, my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Isn't it interesting that after 400 years of silence, after 400 years of silence, that an angel speaks directly to Zechariah and he says, how can I be sure that this is going to happen? How can I be sure that you're going to do what you say you're going to do? Isn't it interesting that God can confirm and confirm and say and say and open up sign and show us thing after thing after thing and we can, sit, we can still sit there and say, but how can I be sure? How can I be sure? And you can really even kind of see it in the, in the angel's response to say, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to tell you this good news. Like, isn't this enough for you to know? But, but I also think it's interesting that, that when it comes to being pregnant, there are physical signs of being pregnant. If Elizabeth is pregnant, at some point they will know that she is pregnant. There will be no doubt about it that she is pregnant. There will be no question that she is pre- pregnant. She will be physically and visibly pregnant. See, sometimes what you have to realize is that when, when God speaks, when God calls you to step into leaving a legacy, that sometimes the only way to know if it will happen is to watch it happen. The only way to know if it will happen is actually begin to walk it out and to see it for your own eyes. That God doesn't always show you exactly the way it's going to unfold. That essentially what Gabriel is saying in this moment is, listen, I'm telling you this is going to happen, so start to live as though it's going to happen. Start to prepare as though it's going to happen. See, I think for some of us, God speaks to us about about a certain step that we need to take, a certain investment that we need to make, a, a certain thing that we need to do. But so often we sit back and say, well, once I know for sure, I'll take the step. Once I know for sure, I'll make the investment. Once I know for sure, I'll give. But what God is saying so often is, why don't you just trust my word and then watch it happen? Why don't you just watch it happen? I know story after story of people's lives who, who they could have never imagined of what God does in their lives, but they look back and they see it unfold step by step. They could have never mapped it out. They could have never planned it, but God works in those moments. See, sometimes, isn't it interesting that sometimes the voice that needs to be silenced in order for us to walk out the, God, the, the call that God is having in our lives is our own? That the angel said, listen, I'm going to have to silence your voice. This isn't the voices of outsiders. This isn't the voices of an enemy attacking you. This is your voice speaking against what I'm telling you. This is your voice questioning what I'm telling you. See, often it's our own voice that cannot be trusted. Sometimes our words are the ones that are fueling our own doubt. Sometimes our words are the ones that are fueling our own disbelief. It's our words that have to be silenced and we have to stand on the word that God has given us because God is standing before Zechariah and he's saying, you will have a child. See, when God calls us to to step out and to make an impact, to leave a legacy, we have to trust that word and begin to take the steps that God has for us. We have to trust that word and begin to walk it out in that moment. We have to learn to trust even in the absence of certainty. Even in the absence of certainty, we have to begin to trust. Often the only level of certainty we'll ever have is knowing it when we see it. But we have no record of God speaking any more clearly after this. 
We just know that he silences Zechariah, and the next thing we know, Elizabeth is with child. She is pregnant. And can you just imagine them sitting, waiting, wondering, when will we see the signs? When will we see the signs that it's happening? When will we know that it's happening? This is what God said. But see, he had to silence Zechariah's words because I think that he, he knew that if Zechariah went home, he might end up telling Elizabeth, he might end up telling her, listen, this is what God said. But I told him, man, you're too old. I'm too old. We can't do this. And if Zechariah had gone home and told Sarah that she was too old, not only could he have planted the seed of doubt in her mind, but she may have killed him. She may have been like, you're saying I'm too old to do what God has, God has said he's going to do in my life. I will take you out. This child won't even have a father. I don't even need you for this process at this point. And so Zechariah is silenced in that moment because leaving a legacy is a journey of trust. See, leaving a legacy is ultimately about releasing and letting go of things. Leaving a legacy is ultimately about believing that what God wants to do with what he's given you can yield more results than what you can do with what he's given you. See, in this moment, God is saying, I can do more with your son to prepare the way than you could ever do with your son. I can do more with what you've always longed for than you could ever do. I can do more with what you've longed for than you could ever imagine, but you have to be willing to let it go out of your hands and begin walking it out. See, when we're talking about leaving a legacy, we're trusting that as we invest in our children, as we give generously, that God will use what we have in a greater way than, we, than he would if we would not let go of it. A legacy cannot be carried into the future in our own hands. If we refuse to let go of what God wants to do with what we have, it will die with us. If we hold on to what we have, it will die with us. See, the whole purpose of leaving a legacy, the whole purpose of giving, the whole purpose of investing in our children is that a legacy cannot be carried into the future into our hands because we're not going to be around forever. We have to trust that what God can do is greater than what we can do. And finally, in order to live a legacy you have to reevaluate your customs. You have to reevaluate the way you've always done things before. You have to reevaluate the way you've always looked at things. See, I, there's an interesting moment in this story where he says, you are to name your son John. You are to name your son John. And if you flip over to Luke chapter one, beginning in verse seven, we see this moment where the child is born the child is born and Zechariah is still unable to speak. And it says in verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown him great mercy, her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue was loose, and he began speaking and praising God. See, in this moment, his friends and his family, they were pushing for his child's name to be Zechariah. 
because the custom was that you would name your child after the father. The custom was that the child would get a family name. See, there, there is no religious reason that you would name your child after the father. There is no ethical reason. There's no, there's no problem with naming your child anything else. It's simply a custom they had always held to. But when God said, I'm going to give you a son to prepare the way, he said, you're going to have to let go of some of the customs that you've always held on to. You're going to have to let go of some of the way that you've always done it. And to leave a legacy, we have to be willing to say that the way we've always done it is not the only way it can be done. That the way we've always done it is not the only way. Our customs may have to change. See, today we have an opportunity to be a part of the miracle before the miracle. That's what this legacy offering is today. It's the miracle before the miracle. See, this money that we'll gather today, this money that we'll give today, this investment that we'll make today, it is a miracle that we would come together and that we would give generously. But it doesn't end there. This, This offering prepares the way for what God wants to do. This offering prepares the way for what God wants to do around the world, in our own community, and right here in our own church. It's our once a year opportunity to give above and beyond so that God's kingdom can be expanded out of this house, out of what he's doing here. And so that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna take a moment and we're, we're gonna give And we're going to believe that God's going to use this far outside of these walls. And I'm excited today because there's actually been some things that have come up since we've talked about the legacy offering. And we're actually expanding the projects that we're going to be giving to. If you were here on the week that we had Than and Megan and we talked through the Via Hapon project, we talked about building a building there. And there were some other key projects out there as well. And we didn't even know this at the time, but the day that we sat on this stage and we said, we're going to commit to building that church building at a church in North Carolina who had visited Via Hapon actually with us while we were out there for the pastor's conference. God had laid it on their heart to say, listen, that place needs a well, which was one of the next kind of more expensive projects that needed to happen out at Via Hapon. And so they said to their church, they said, listen, we want to raise the money to to build the well. We want to raise the money to dig the well out there on the very same day that we committed to building the building. And so on that very day, we committed to raising the money to build the building. They committed to raise the money to build the well. And so that meant that that project is now even more funded than we could have known at the time. It's more funded than we realized at that time. And so there are some other smaller overflow projects that we're going to do out at Via Hapon. Uh, as part of this offering once the building is completely taken care of. But I believe that we're gonna give extravagantly today. I believe that we're gonna give above and beyond what we've ever done and that there's gonna be room to work not only in Via Hapon, but also in our community. And so we've decided to expand the legacy offering. And once that property is taken care of out at Via Hapon, we're committing to invest here in our region. If you were here last year, you know that right after Easter, we did a serve day that was incredible where we partnered with multiple nonprofits around town to really just accelerate the work that they were already doing. Because we're big believers that it doesn't all have to be through Harbor Church. That there's a lot of people that have a lot of good things figured out in this community that are doing a lot of good work in this community. And so in 2023, because of the generosity that's about to happen in this legacy offering, we're committing not just to one serve day, but we're going to do quarterly serve days next year. We're going to do quarterly serve days next year where we, yeah, you can celebrate that. I love it. 
We're gonna do quarterly surveys where, where we identify key nonprofits in our region that we can just come alongside and say, listen, we love what you're doing. We wanna be a part of what you're doing. We wanna partner with what you're doing. So we're gonna expand it to that in sort of the, the second tier. And then sort of the, the third tier that we're gonna expand the legacy offering into is right here in our own house, right here in our own church. We are fervently praying and believing for a new and larger location. You know each and every week that we need more space. If you have kids or you serve in the kids area, you know better than anybody that we need new space. We need more space for all the kids that we have that come to Harbor each and every week. And so after Via Hapone is taken care of and after we invest in our community, we're gonna set aside some funds that we're gonna have to invest because when we get make that move, we're gonna need to expand our children's areas. We're gonna need to have more children's areas. There's some things that we use here that we won't have have when we move. And we're believing that, that we're going to be ready for that when it happens. Uh, we're, we're a church that believes that we prepare for what God wants to do before it happens. That actually when that space opens up, we don't want to say, okay, this space is opened up and now we got to figure out how we're going to get in these spaces. We're going to say now, no, we believe that through the generosity of what's happening today, that when God opens that door, we're going to be able to just walk right through it because we're already going to be prepared. And so we're so excited about these three branches that the Legacy Offering will now cover now in Via Hapone, in our community and here in our home. And here's what I'm asking you today. The application on today's message is super simple. I'm asking you in a way that I very rarely ask you because we trust God to provide for us, but I'm asking you to give today. I'm asking you to pray about how God would have you partner with us in the legacy offering. We're gonna take that offering today as we close service and it'll be open through the end of the year. You can give to it all the way through the end of December. There are three ways you can give to it. Today, when you came in, there was an offering on your chair that said legacy and there was a pen with it. You can give via check or cash here in the service in the boxes on your way out. You can give online at harbor.church slash give, or you can use our normal text number, which is 844-467-1311. You just text the amount and then the word legacy, and it'll go right into the legacy fund, the amount and then legacy. And I really want to call our church today to a new level of generosity, to a greater level of giving, to a greater level of believing that when we release what God has given us, he can do more than we could ever imagine with what he's given us. So would you just bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room this morning?